Hi and welcome to the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And uh, exceptionally this week we have a request from the audience. We do, yes. Uh, somebody suggested that we, we talk about decentralization uh, as a topic, which uh, seems very current and certainly right up my street. Yeah, everybody seems to be talking about it again. Yes, well, it is again, isn't it? I mean, I was thinking that in anticipation of the podcast that, uh, you know, and I think we may have talked about this already, but things like blockchain are, to me, another iteration, another uh, attempt to shift the world in that in that direction of decentralization. You know, the internet was in the first place, social media was. And of course, each time any of this has happened, there's been a a retrenchment back into centralization again. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting, and, and certainly some of the conversations that are taking place now about combining those topics and using technology like blockchain to manage a decentralized internet to try and move away from the main power bases of Facebook, LinkedIn, Amazon, whatever, <clears throat> and get back to some of the original more open web that we had in the early days. But do you think that this is going back? Or I, I guess it, I, I struggle a little bit with the idea of uh, going back in the sense that uh, I am sure that there are there is going to be a very interesting future of uh, new apps and new things that we're not doing today and that can be based on decentralized technology. What I'm not sure of is that uh, we're going to put the genie back in a bottle and build a decentralized Facebook or a decentralized Google. I mean, I think that Google and Facebook will just keep existing. I mean, the things that we do on Facebook, we will probably keep doing on Facebook. There will be yeah. other things that we're not doing again that we will do yeah, to on totally other agree. platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wasn't, I wasn't meaning we were going back in the sense that it, it's it's more of another iteration of a forward movement, and um, <clears throat> and we don't know what. As you, you know, you're right. I think the trick is is to come up with the next change, the next set of things that we don't know we need yet. Um, and may may end up being around. I was reading recently about, you know, all the concerns expressed about screen time and how much time we spend looking at screens. And this guy was making the point that, well, we won't be looking at screens at all in 10 or 15 years. <clears throat> and just before the podcast started, the two of us were talking about how much we love our Apple Watches. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I love it is that it's, I, I find Siri much more accurate on the watch than on any other device. And I'm increasingly using that to do things. Um, and so, you know, the supposition of this chap on the podcast about f- the lack of screen time is that we will interact with things, with capabilities, or even with each other, much more through visual things or, or, or audio, th- you know, voice things. Um, and the need to be stuck staring at a screen will begin to diminish. And I find it fascinating, you know, we've all, we're still sort of struggling with the fact that people now walk along the street, you know, especially if they've got AirPods in, really looking like they're talking to themselves. <laughs> and I, I still find it disconcerting. And it still takes a bit of nerve to do it. You know, I mean, I still, even in the house, I still feel slightly self-conscious about picking my arm up and talking to my watch. 
So I tend to wait till people are out the room before I do it, you know. Yeah, I think that it's very exciting how these, I mean, probably going a little bit back to the idea of decentralization, we have these new platforms that are enabling, at this point, developers more than users to create new things. And uh, we don't know what is going to come around, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be... There are so many exciting things, but it, uh, not only on decentralization, decentralization, but uh, in general. I don't know if you saw the the presentation of a new Apple stuff. There was a demo yeah. of this app that helps you playing basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, thinking that uh, today you have a platform that allows you to through a camera understand the movement of a human body, the, a whole number of indicators about how you move, how the ball moves, the angle, the speed, the acceleration. And it can send you real-time suggestions through your AirPods while you're playing <laughs> to know. help you improve. And I, I mean, okay, I don't play basketball. I will never use that. But I thought that it was so brilliant how... Some these people came up with these ideas that were, yeah. are completely enabled by the fact that you have a high-resolution camera and these new amazing, powerful processors being able to do AI on a chip uh, in the phone that pretty much all of us have in our pocket. Yeah, and that, and, and that's and that does re- I think relate to the decentralization thing because as you know, as the functionality becomes more intrinsic in real life, as it were, you know, physical life, the fact that the, the, the phones know where we are and, what you know, increasingly what we're doing, you know, the Shortcuts app that's about to come out. I mean, I've used Workflow on the iPhone for a while, but the idea that the Shortcuts app gives me access to the stuff that's in the system is really, really exciting because I can build in all sorts of triggers that do things automatically for me. And, you know, still harking back to Apple's USP being that they don't use the data, you know, the data is all on the phone and the, the functionality is mostly carried out on the phone, is, I think, related to the decentralization thing. Because as, you know, technology becomes more than just sharing pictures of cats, but becomes intrinsic in how we live our lives, I think it matters more and more who gets to observe that and, and control that. And this is why the decentralization matters, because I want uh, a high degree of autonomy over what happens with the patterns that I create by using these tools that are intrinsically linked to my life. Well, I guess that also, do you remember uh, Word of Ends, the paper yes. that... Uh, paper drug, and, yes. And, and I think that one of the arguments there was that uh, innovation actually happened at the ends, uh, yes. not at the center. And uh, Well, the phrase that Stowe Boyd came up with, which was edgelings, which I've always yes. liked as well. Yeah, exactly. Which is all about, uh, which is, you know, there is not going to be a lot of innovation coming out from uh, the the big centered uh, services. I mean, they need to cater for a huge amount of uh, people. They need to, and to be fair, the huge amount of people don't care very much about decentralization. I mean, they're happy sharing photos and posting cat pictures there. 
But then there is a whole number of new things that is happening on the edges, and uh, this is exciting. And uh, what I wonder is uh, if when the new things go mainstream, they tend to move towards the center, if this mm-hmm. is a tendency that happens uh, with every cycle of innovation, or if this is something that can be broken. Or, or is inevitable, yes. Um I was going to say, I mean, I think even within organisations you see this, that ebb and flow between change and stability and the fact that different people, different types of people are more drawn to the two, and even in politics, the left and the right. You know, it's the whole ebb and flow and balancing act between stasis and change is is part of life, I guess. Um, And technology shouldn't be any different. You know, again, before the podcast, I was talking about some of the stuff I'm doing around getting my, my HGV driving license and the amount of rigor that is involved in making sure that I know the legislation around the amount of time spent driving, the amount of sleep time, the amount of rest time, the amount of uh, the, the average amount of times over different periods. You know, and it's very comprehensive and very thorough and very important, you know, because it means that less drivers fall asleep at the wheel and kill people. So I think... You know, that that need, and this is where IT gets in a pickle at work, doesn't it? Because their instinct is to, and rightly in some ways, to manage risk, to, to centralise, to control. Um, and they're kind of losing the battle at the moment with the consumerisation of technology. Um, but some of that consumerisation stuff is, is naive because if it all completely falls apart, then, you know, no, nobody wins. I, I think that there is, uh, you know... Probably we could. There are phases. So there is a, the new phase where new new stuff gets invented, and that happens uh, away from the center. As things tend to become mainstream, they probably tend to move towards the center. And there is a phase where things get managed in the center, but there is not a lot of control around that. And then mm-hmm. probably order emerges over time because you know if you think you, you you want the rules about driving lorries and teaching people how to drive lorries to be centralized you don't want everybody to be doing whatever they want when when, yeah. when you do that yeah. um i was also thinking about uh, how in in the recent in the last few weeks there have been a number of instances where people f- uh, employees at google has been uh, fighting the company, uh, mm-hmm. there was there was a story in the news recently about uh, a number of engineer at Google resigning over the what Google is doing in China. Uh, there was a complaint about Google not showing up at uh, some hearing. I think it was a Senate hearing in the states. Uh, um, I guess that uh, we're getting to the point where. Everybody's starting to to try to hold this company responsible for what it does. I mean, it becomes mm-hmm. so big that it it is in all effect a political entity, and it needs yes. to start responding to to society in a, and, and not just to to the shareholders. And so, so when people ask me what what or to talk about digital transformation, I say that that's what it's about: is the fact that your staff. And your customers <clears throat> increasingly have a voice and they are talking amongst themselves but also to each other. And 
the institutions aren't really set up to deal with this. And again, it's partly because they are conceived and manifest as structures and hierarchies. And the kind of networked thinking which it takes to be able to respond quickly and appropriately to those types of challenges is, is unfamiliar to most organisations. And the thing is, people tend to think that, that, that if you don't have the hierarchical structure, then you have chaos. But it's far from the case that, that you can manage, arguably you could manage decentralization in a way that gets you the best of both worlds. I think that probably there is uh, there are versions of both worlds that can work and and that uh, and there are versions that do not work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are good. Yeah. Think about centralizing uh, analysis of medical medical information, for example, can be an incredibly powerful thing. Uh, being able, if it was possible to analyze the heartbeat of uh, millions of people that use uh, digital watches, uh, there there is probably an amazing number of things that can be learned in terms of medicine because there is this amount of data that was never, ever present before. But is that that centralization, though? Because in a sense, it's a bit like, it's built like the principles of the internet. You can make the data visible. You can make the data accessible. You can gain the collective benefit from the patterns that emerge from that data without it having to be centrally owned or managed. Well, but let's say that if you want to analyze all these data, you probably want to have all these data at some, in the same place at some point in time. The problem is how you do it in a way that respects privacy and respect that you're not violating anybody's basic rights. Um, so I don't think it's about not centralizing. It's about there, there might be cases where you want to move some kind of information towards the center because it makes sense to be able to look at all of it at the same, at the same time, but you need to do it in the right way. In, in the same way, like as uh, there is a number of other situations where moving things uh, towards the center doesn't make any sense, and uh, and it's perfectly fine to keep it uh, on the edges where we can we can handle it. There is a, there is a a pull towards the center in terms you know put everything there. It will be safe and cozy, and you will not where have to worry about it, which is simply not true especially then i guess i wonder there is also uh, again probably an old generation new generation dichotomy about i think that uh, we try to think we tend to think about everything we create uh, having some intrinsic value that needs to be archived forever so there is the argument of i want my i want control over my stuff i mean i have yeah. all my photos and i have 53 backups of everything because i don't want to lose anything and there is the argument everything i post on facebook well what if what if tomorrow facebook disappear that will all be lost uh, how will humanity keep going without my cat pictures and you have a new generation that actually is mostly attracted by tools that are actually ephemeral by design it's uh, mm-hmm. you create something all photos disappear within 24 hours and that's perfectly fine it just so it's, it's really really interesting because when you were describing the 
benefits of centralisation, I found myself thinking, well, but there isn't a centre. Because depending on the activity, depending on the data, depending on the use, there are gazillions of centres, different groups, different people, different tools, different functions. You know, even nation states aren't the centre anymore. There's so many of them and they're all at odds and there's no... So there is no centre. And then when you were talking about that, human instinct to try and stabilise and pretend there's a centre took me back again to the conversation we had before we started about Buddhism and about meditation and mindfulness and that challenge of trying to identify the I the the me that we're so desperately trying to protect or um, relate to and and the the, the increasingly apparent fact that that, that it isn't there at all and so I think that I think these are intrinsically linked ideas and we've got this fetish about centralization and hierarchy and control because of the philosophical position of the monotheist religions and and a god in his place in heaven and everything else in its order which has always been a fiction and is becoming increasingly apparent a fiction which is why things like mindfulness and buddhism are beginning to appeal to more people because it's making apparent that actually life is edges it's we're all edgelings Uh, even in our own psyche we are a collection of aspects of being human that, that, that kind of come together ephemerally, pass away and move on to the next set of coming together. Um, and it's just fascinating that the technology in some ways is finally beginning to potentially reflect this. Well, probably it's a, it's a case where historically as humankind, I mean, the, the, the reason why humans are different from all the other animals is that we can tell stories uh, and we can, we have this amazing ability to believe in these, to these incredible lies and fake news and these <laughs> yeah. incredible stories. Yeah. And this is uh, empowering, empowering our, ability to collaborate because uh, because we both believe in the same fake news we both believe in the same gods we both believe in the same money we both believe in this, we, we all believe in in in, in something mm-hmm. but uh, being able to move essentially the basis of trust to other things you, you know if you can if you can move trust to a digital Certificate to this digital contract that exists uh, in a blockchain somewhere. Suddenly, we don't need to believe the same thing. We can believe the entirely different thing and trust each other anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a way, we're enabling a new type of humankind. Yes, yeah, so I think that's that's the goal, isn't it? That's that's the, or that's the potential. I just we do seem to be inexorably heading in that direction you know the, 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 there are so many things in quantum mechanics and biology whatever else that are all screaming the same messages at us that it feels right it's interesting because uh, yes it does seem I feel this traction and I feel that we're moving in in a very interesting direction at the same time if you accidentally happen to read the news and and see what is happening around us <laughs> yeah. and and all these incredible stories that suddenly are getting traction partially through centralized social media platforms mm-hmm. 
it's uh, it's scary. I mean, it, 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 you really say wonder how humankind is getting at the same time so advanced and uh, <laughs> so going in the wrong direction. Yeah, uh, it's literally <laughs> on the same in, in the same moment. Yeah. I want to I want to uh, use this post to give a disclaimer to users, uh, to our listener. Do I know that during this uh, uh, recording we continue to refer to this amazingly interesting thing that we say before we start recording? But actually, <laughs> the really we good only bits happen before we start recording. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like before we start recording, there are these amazing conversation, but there, there aren't. We'd like. Talk for five minutes before we start recording. Yeah, I must so stop every, doing that. You're right, Paolo. <laughs> so every every time we say, well, as we were saying before, that is is like at conferences. It's yes. one of the things. Yes. That as some state of the net, I think we decided to tell people, said, look, there is no other place outside. <laughs> right. You know, you keep going to conferences and people keep saying, as we were saying last night at dinner, and people said, yeah. But it's funny because this is where. You know, I have to say, uh, conference organisers can be culpable in this because they want to. Or, you know, I get frustrated when they say, "Well, we need to get the panel together before." Before what? Why? You know, why? Why stage manage it? Why try to preempt anything that happens? And of course, that's why we end up sitting on the stage and going, as we were saying earlier, because um, somebody uh, made us sit and talk to each other before we got on the stage. I mean, I'm a little bit in favor of uh, centralized uh, conferences <laughs> from that point of view, in the sense that... Yeah. Uh, you're a closet I, control freak, aren't you, aren't you Paolo? Yeah, totally. I mean, otherwise, <laughs> I would not be... I mean, I wouldn't be in, in the... Uh, I've been organizing this conference for 10 years, and, you know, if you're not a little bit of a control freak, you, you, you don't do that. But... Uh, I guess it's, it's, you know, you only have 20 minutes. You want those 20 minutes to be good for the people sitting in front of you. And uh, having a little bit of uh, organization probably does help. But uh, I think it becomes awkward when it sounds like tw those 20 minutes are spent discussing about other more interesting <laughs> yeah. conversations that happen somewhere else. That is, that is completely wrong. I, yeah, yeah. I totally derailed it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was a good aside. Because actually, I think it's, uh, again, a related aside in as much as I don't know what I'm going to say until my mouth opens most of the time, which is probably very apparent to people. Um, so in a sense, you know, I've got it at the moment. Somebody wants me to do an interview uh, <clears throat> for an intranet video thing. And they're wanting to organise the questions and tell me the questions and, you know, I'm having a look at them. So, But it's just stuff, it's stuff I know. What, you know, if I, they, want, they want me to take part because I know this stuff. Um, so I don't need to practice it. And it will be more in interesting and authentic if I just respond at the time when he asks me the questions rather than me having fretted about them beforehand. Um, and I think that is, again, that desire to preempt, control, manage, avert risk, make sure things come out right, fit to some preconceived idea of what right is, rather than just sort of going with it and seeing what comes out at the end. Well, it is probably, again, a matter of uh, decentralization. I mean, we are the little organism on the edges of uh, of 
reality and we're continually processing reality and we are responding to what happens to us and we're trying to create to process and create new things and this can only happen in real time yeah the moment you try to start to to concentrate to focus a conversation to basically to predefine a conversation you're not processing reality anymore you're just yeah, uh, yeah, playing totally. back something I guess that what we find interesting of even this conversation that we are having is that uh, we don't come to this with an agenda. We're just uh, responding to each other and uh, probably a little bit of what comes out of it is new because uh, we didn't come with it to begin with. We're yes. responding to other people's ideas. We're responding to each other's stimuli. And that's where... Again, a balance between, you know, because we obviously know each other. We've known each other for such a long time and we've, we've had similar conversations to, to this many times. But it's still of value. I mean, this is, you know, we would, we would be, part of the reason we started the podcast was that we were having these conversations anyway. And the fact that we keep coming back to these types of conversations with each other is that each time, as you say, we, we yes, we'll reiterate stuff, we'll go back over some stuff, but you also move forwards. And I think, again, that relates to organisations, how we manage things, how we create the right conditions for, you know, even that ability to reinforce things. I, I was listening to or reading about, um, I was listening to a podcast about um, meditation again and about Thich Nhat Hanh, the, the Vietnamese monk, who's written gazillions of books. And the fact that many of the books just say the same things in different ways. Um, but that that's not a bad thing because sometimes you just need to remember it. And, and be reminded of it. And the fact that it's similar but different is enough to just make you reinvest in that set of ideas. And in some ways, that's that's how culture happens, isn't it? Is that reiteration of that comfort that you get from reiteration of shared values and understanding, but that each time you do it, it morphs a little bit and it adapts a little bit. And that's where the new comes from. And if you don't do it often enough, or if you've made people f afraid of doing that, then things become brittle and rigid and and go wrong. Yeah, it's in 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 my professional experience where we I, I think that we call this whole process design in the sense that um, you know we'd like to say that we design everything. We we design digital products, but we also design companies that make digital products, and we also design the process that allow us to create companies that create digital process, and we design, and we keep discussing all of these things. <clears throat> we keep trying to find tools that allow us to slice these topics in you know from many different angles and to put them back together and to challenge our assumptions and to discuss them again and again and again and from this process uh which sometimes can be frustrating because sometimes mm -hmm. I, uh, I mean i notice uh, very often we have founders of startups that you know come to us and and we keep going at them with these uh, methodologies and these tools and we try to you know tear apart their ideas and put them back together and then do it again from the point of view of the business from the point of view of the user from the point of view of everybody and they are frustrated because they say when can we start doing things when <laughs> can we start you know it's uh, I, I just want my app but uh, it is so important it is so important to keep 
talking about things and keep discussing mm-hmm. and keep because the truth is that every time you do that there is uh, something new that comes up there is something yeah. that uh, that uh, there is an angle that you had not noticed before there is an idea that uh, nobody had had before and it doesn't and just only... happen does it I mean, it doesn't ha- it doesn't come from nowhere unless there's some interaction or exchange to stimulate the different yeah. thinking it doesn't, you know. It just you don't sit in a darkened room and suddenly see, see things. It's it's out of interactions that they come. Oh, absolutely! It, it comes. It comes from breaking things. It it comes yes, from totally. taking things, taking taking them apart and putting them back together. And uh, and each time you will realize that there is something different. And each time something changes. And yeah. uh, and this applies. And and I think that these these days this can apply to to everything and this is a decentralized approach to things this, this yes. is about uh, challenging the, the the wisdom challenging the the rules and and trying to to do things differently and that is clearly happening at the edges but then again you know the idea of impermanence everything's changing all the time you know your bodies are changing the cells are changing the world around us is always changing and yet we're so terrified of that change and you know it's because we're eventually going to die and we're all we're all sort of subconsciously aware of that so that idea of fixing things and trying to keep things stable is you know an existential challenge if you like and and so that is where the ideological or philosophical shift from trying to maintain that to being comfortable with and accepting of the inevitability of change and impermanence is actually underpinning the whole centralized, decentralized thing to some extent, um, because actually in nature you don't have centralization. Everything's decentralized in nature. Um, yeah, we are just a bunch of cells moving yeah. around all together. But actually, what do, I don't remember how after how long every single cell of our body has been mm. replaced. It varies depending on on which bit of yeah. your body, but some of, some of them is pretty pretty quick. Uh, others, oh, I, like bones I, let me tell longer, you, I've seen pictures, and I think that it's the 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 cells I had before, which much better than what I have now. <laughs> I mean, I I think that for some reasons my cells have been degrading, but hey. <laughs> and there's fewer of them as well. Your brain cells are all dropping off at. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I actually seem to read, I, I'm, I'm walking around with more cells these days. I just moved to another to, to different <laughs> part of the body. But, <laughs> but now, in your case, you actually you're, you have less cells. In, in my case, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to lose a few cells, but it's not working. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it is true. I mean, it's I, I, and 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 again, I think there is something about consciousness and and mm-hmm. this idea of trying to fix things, try to to have immovable organizations that uh, give us safety, give us uh, a feeling of uh, trust and comfort, yeah. which uh, it's uh, it's very human. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and especially in moments when we are concerned, we try to we try to go back to these ideas that are 
false but comforting. And if you and, and you know, yeah, that, that's taking us back to the news stories. I mean, exactly. that's what's happening, isn't it? You know, Trump and Brexit are both examples of that. And you know, I don't think anybody's saying that you. You know, that, that's inevitable. I think that's just part of being human. I guess what we're saying is just don't take it too seriously <laughs> or, or be aware of it as a, as a... It's not everything. It's not absolute. It's not the truth. It's not, it's not one version of things. It's a particular way of looking at things at a particular time that might, in the short term, make things better. Um, but it's not... To try and maintain that as an absolute bottom line, the way things are, is why we get into into trouble. So I guess that's uh, the takeaway from today's episode is don't worry, there is no centre. And get rid of as many cells as you can. <laughs> so, thanks for that, Paolo. Thank you, and uh, thank everybody for listening. If uh, they want to find you, where are you? Youandsample.com uh, is probably the easiest place. And uh, I have a brand new domain for my site. is uh, Paolo Valde. is B A O L O V A L dot D E, and uh, everything is there. Oh, yeah, I got myself a German domain. <laughs> Say, see you next time, then. See you next time, then. Bye. <laughs>